Hello, it's time for another episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, host this daily podcast, etc, etc, yada, yada, yada. There's two, I'm going to try to split these episodes into a little bit about music or pop culture or whatever, something in that vein, and then a bit about me personally and how I'm doing. And I hope I don't go on for too long. I posted three videos on my TikTok yesterday. One was a pop culture thing about American artists that have worn the Union Jack on an item of clothing in some way and how American artists tend to try to court the UK in general. One was a very short video about my ridiculously high screen time And one was something of a trailer for my music. And the most popular video of those three was the trailer about my music, which is really exciting because I think it's a bit of a common conundrum when people who make music post on social media and tend to find that when they post about just casual things, they'll get some attention. If they use trending sounds or things like that, they'll get attention. As soon as they try and post about music, they see their views noticeably dip. But in this case, it was the opposite. And that was really exciting to see. And there were two things in particular that came to mind. One is that I got a comment from someone named Kyle Morris, who is listed on TikTok as a digital marketer and niche site builder. And among their videos, they have a playlist of videos about SEO, search engine optimization. And they left a comment on my music trailer video saying, hope that isn't your band name. Because I mentioned that, I haven't really explained what the, the video was even. It was essentially me playing bass along to a demo of one of my songs. And I mentioned that, It starts off by saying for fans of a bunch of different bands like Block Party, Daft Punk, The Rapture. And then as I'm playing the bass line along to the demo, I have a message that unfolds across the video about how this song is a demo called Midnight by loads of Japanese bands, which is me. And if enough of you like it and I can stop procrastinating, I'll get it out in time to make 2023 a year to remember. And I think it came out pretty cool. And the fact that it's gotten the most attention of the videos I put out yesterday is a good sign. But this comment about, I hope that's not your band name. This person has a playlist of videos about SEO. If anyone can speak with some authority about a good and bad name for something, it's this person. And they're absolutely right it, in in hoping that that isn't a band name. Because, yeah, it it's confusing. It's muddling. It's different to my username on social media in general, which is Saddest Night Out, same as on here. So I completely understand where they're coming from. But it also kind of gives me the vim, the vigor, the gumption to double down on my decision to do that. Because I I just feel like there's a bit of a lack, there's a dearth in, for lack of a better term, wrong answers. There was another video I saw by a band called Velvet Year, I think it's a band, but one of the people in the band was talking about five mistakes that artists make that are easy to rectify to help improve their social media presence. And I think first among them was something like, uh, it was like 
make sure there's a preview of your music really easy to access on your profile pages. Make sure your username is the same across social media and that it is your band name. It's not some random name. And make sure your picture is clear as well. And again, I fall short of that rule. And it's a good rule. It's a very good advice. Both of these people are coming from a helpful place. But it just reinforces this this sense I have that to a large extent, music is feeling more and more like middle management. I think because anyone can make music, it's that much harder to stick your head up above everyone else. And the fear of being lost in the din of it all is leading more and more people to essentially follow the rule book, which makes things feel a lot more formulaic and, funnily enough, makes it that much easier for you to be ignored. They got to a point a little while ago when there were some of the more cliched approaches that musicians make on social media were starting to be mocked. One of the one of them is how they'll say, I think I just wrote the song of the summer. And then there's some videos that are like, have you ever been broken up or had a terrible ex-boyfriend or girlfriend? I have. And here's a song about, oh, this is the song for you. And so many people, and it makes sense why you would do that. There's this whole thing about how you need to grab your audience in the first three seconds of your video. And so a lot of, and so you need to have what they call a hook. And a lot of people seem to be, there's also a lot of accounts that tout advice for musicians. There's a lot of videos that start with, if you're a musician, keep, like, don't scroll away. If you're a musician, here's three tips on how you can blah, blah, blah. And I just think sometimes you need someone to go against the grain of that in order to stand out. But if you're going to go against the grain like that, you're kind of betting on yourself. Because the reason those this advice exists and it's so popular and so many people are doing it is because if you're doing things by numbers, by the steps, these steps work. But I can't help but feel that some of your favorite artists in the past the people that you really hold dear to your chest the ones that when someone asks who's uh, who's your favorite artist of all time the people you're likely to say aren't likely to be people who went by the book the way these uh profiles are, ad- are advising online the first thought that comes to mind is the weekend and how when the weekend first arrived there was this mystery about who or what is the weekend. Is it a person? Is it a band? Where is this coming from? Whose voice is that? That would very much fall short of this advice that I'm talking about now. The The video by Velveteer where they say you should use a username that makes sense and a picture that makes sense. Pink Panther S has a picture of, I think, one of the Powerpuff Girls as their profile picture. I don't think anyone is going, well, the music's good and I like where they're coming from, but they're a little bit confusing as a presence, so I'm not interested. And they also didn't really show their face for a lot of their videos either. I think if you, if the music can speak for itself, you can skirt the rules a bit. And I think that's needed to just widen the scope and remind people that when it comes to art, yes, there are some rules, but there are also rules to be broken so that you can inspire others to think beyond what's been established. And that's how things evolve. 
yeah, that was my thinking on that anyway. And hopefully I am now looking to do more videos like that about other songs that I have. Because I'm coming, I want to come at this with 16 songs. All called Midnight. That's another whole thing as well. But the, another one of those rules that artists tend to follow is the notion that you should release a song every six weeks because if you use Spotify, there's a thing called Release Radar where if people follow you as an artist on Spotify, when you release something new, it shows up on their Release Radar playlist so they can see your newest release without having to go look for you. It just shows up on their doorstep. But you can only show up on someone's release radar playlist once every six weeks. So you should release a song once every six weeks or once every four weeks and just keep waterfalling. Instead of releasing a project of six songs, which will have its moment the day of release and then fade away, release each of those songs individually over a period of time. It's called waterfalling your music. And when you release the second single, you don't release it as a separate single. You release it as a single with the first single there as track two so you just slowly but surely build out the ep or album or whatever with each single release i want to put out 16 songs all in one go which means i can essentially advertise 16 different songs which again is going against the rule book because another very common thing is really trying to encourage whatever audience you have to use your current sound to put your current song out there as wide as possible which again makes sense none of the stuff i'm talking about is innately harmful or intrinsically wrong but i just think sometimes it's it's worth going against the grain but you have you have to compensate by really showing up you have to compensate by really having music that speaks for itself because if you're making generic music then it makes sense to follow the generic advice to just again it's that middle management thing just show up alongside everyone else but if you if you feel you're doing something different musically or something that can stand out musically, then I, I would encourage going against the grain and doing something differently with your presence. But you have to show up. You have to commit to it to compensate for not doing the done thing. And so instead of having just one song and saying, hey, everyone, use my sound or using all the the classic tropes to advertise that one song as much as possible, and then six weeks later, okay, now it's another song. You know, lather, rinse, repeat. 16 songs, I can advertise different things, and hopefully that will come across as more intriguing. Just what is this? That's what I'm trying to do. Like, pique that curiosity by doing the things differently to how you expect them to be done. (sighs) That's my piece on the whole music side of things. As far as how I'm doing personally... And also, thank you very, very, very much, Kyle Morris, for leaving that comment. That's very kind of you. I'm just glad you even noticed my video in the first place. And hopefully, I might win you over on the band name of loads of Japanese bands. As for how I'm doing personally, I listened to an interview with Roman Kemp, who is a breakfast radio host and also a host of the One Show, a TV show in the UK. And the son of Martin Kemp, who was in the band Spandau Ballet. And I had no idea about this side of him. But he's talked a lot about, I guess, slight trigger warning here, suicide prevention. He lost someone close to him to suicide. And since then, he made a documentary about it. And since then, he's become a bit of a spokesperson for 
the prevention of it. And he says he's now, whenever he's out or doing whatever, it's not uncommon for someone to approach him about it and then want to have a heart-to-heart with him about their own instances or, you know, encounters with it. And he says it's imp- he talked about how it's important to ask someone if they're feeling that way, if they're considering that type of action. Because you'll likely find it's the first time they've really been asked that and that's the root of the issue. Let's just get straight to it instead of skirting around it. He also talked about how when you, whenever you talk to people who have known someone that they've lost to suicide, they'll often say the same thing. Never would have, seen, never would have thought it would be them. They always seem so happy. They always seem so, you know, pleasant and present. And, you know, you just never would have guessed it would be them. And I think... Before things get to that extreme, I can't think of many examples of someone of the conversation that happens to address it. This is a a difficult topic to really get my head around and express clearly, so please bear with me. I don't think when the worst happens it's, yeah, I can't speak for anyone but I'd be surprised if there was a case of someone not knowing that there was something like Samaritans a number to call or not knowing that there were people around that they could talk to what they might not know is how to talk about it Because it can feel like such a daunting subject, such a weighty thing to bring up. There's no textbook for how to tell someone you need help or how to tell someone what you're going through. And also, there's this thing I've had in my mind about treating mental health like dental health. You don't wait until your teeth are rotting and black to go to a dentist or to start brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth every day. You do little things every day to keep your teeth in check. And as soon as there's something that's causing unfamiliar pain or there's something different that you're concerned about, you seek out a specialist and address it. In theory, that's what you should do anyway. And I think there should be a similar approach with mental health. Instead of waiting for things to get dire because you don't know how to express when things feel a little bit off in the first instance you just think ah you know i'll I'll just weather it i'll just keep soldiering on i'm sure other people feel that way i don't want to talk to people about this because that conversation feels so unfamiliar you will wait until mentally speaking your mouth rots and things get to a very bad place before you even think of trying to talk about it and then by then it might feel like it's too much to talk about and that's when the worst can happen And I'm trying to lean into talking about how I'm doing. You see how uncomfortable and how awkward this is by the long... When I was talking about music, I was rattling it all off. But now it's the awkward pauses and trying to find my footing in what I'm talking about. Now, 
I'm trying to, similar to the last episode when I was talking about approaching issues you have, like it's a car and you're a mechanic and you're saying, okay, the the carburetor isn't working or the gear shift has issues and just trying to fix it from more of an objective stance rather than letting yourself get swamped down in the wallowing about the fact that something's wrong. Trying to get out, trying to climb out of the shame and the ego of it and just address, no, you know what, I have an issue with this and it's leading to this, how do I address it? I didn't really intend to go down that road, actually. I wrote some notes about this episode, and I hadn't written Roman Kemp's name down, but it just came up. What I did write down is the phrase, this too shall pass. There's some fable, I can't remember where I read it or where I came across it, but it's something along the lines of, what's a phrase that brings hope to someone who has nothing and brings dread to someone that has everything? And the answer is, this too shall pass. The idea being that if you're going through a hard time and you hear the phrase, this too shall pass, that gives you hope that, okay, this bad time I'm going through, it's temporary. There may be good times ahead as well. Let me persevere. This too shall pass. And if you're someone going through a good time, to hear this too shall pass can bring worry that, oh, wait, is my good time nearly going to be over? Are there bad times ahead? What? How can I prevent this? Can bring about paranoia this too shall pass one simple phrase depending on where you are two very different meanings a similar phrase like that for me is the title of this part this episode there's always tomorrow because on the one hand it's an optimistic thing if you're going through a tough day hey there's always tomorrow things can always turn around things can always pick up again just keep going there's always tomorrow but for me becomes a crutch to never see things through today because there's always tomorrow because one of the things I really struggle with is just how much like right now I very much feel like my back's up against the wall the water's at my neck there's already talk about cost of living crisis and things being tough in general and yeah I'm definitely feeling that but it's large, I can't shake the sense that it's very much by my own hand. As the Radiohead song says, you do it to yourself. And it's because I, I have this very unhelpful knack for falling into that, the, it's like the drunkenness of that phrase. There's always tomorrow. It kind of touches into the idea of leaving things till the last minute. Instead of trying to make small steps today, I just keep stacking tomorrow with more and more things I need to do to the point where tomorrow becomes impossible because now I've put off so many things and the odds have become that much higher for me to overcome because I keep saying there's always tomorrow. So now tomorrow stops feeling like an optimistic chance for things to turn around and instead, it feels like a curse that's hanging over you because of how many things you've pushed back to tomorrow. But there's always tomorrow. So now that phrase has such a weight to it. It feels like an anchor around your chest, around your throat. 
because you just keep pushing things back to tomorrow and tomorrow's always hanging over you like, oh, no, no, I put five things off until tomorrow. Now it's 10 things. Now it's 20 things. Now I've got this deadline and this and this all cropping up. Now this is overdue and so on and so forth. And tomorrow just keeps taunting me like, oh, there's always tomorrow. And any urge I have to try and address it now is outweighed by that same thing. There's always tomorrow. And it says something about living in the present versus living in your head. I feel like when you do something creative, there's a certain element of living in your head that's necessary. That's when you dream up ideas. That's when you pluck things out of thin air and make something out of them. Whereas other people might get a melody stuck in their head and think, oh, that sounds nice and leave it at that. You fixate on that and keep building with it and create a whole thing around that. That can be useful in that arena. But when it comes to real life things, that can become your worst enemy. You're meant to kind of live in your head to come up with the idea, but then be in the present and communicate those ideas and make them tangible and build upon them. That's how society, civilization, creativity, all that's how things happen. People have I live in their heads, have these ideas, but then communicate them, work with others to make them a reality that is shared. So it goes from something only you know to something others know. That living in your head tendency is why I've come up with some of the best songs I've ever heard. But it's also why I'm the only person in the world who's ever heard those songs. And this podcast is meant to be an exercise against that because it forces me to be in the present and talk about what's happened recently, what I'm doing, where my head is at, to bring me back into the present, to try and address today so that I don't keep falling for the there's always tomorrow thing. It's almost like an alcoholic thinking, oh, just one more drink. It's just that thing that keeps you in that state that removes you from agency and actually being able to do the things that need to be done instead of living in that in-between. So that's what I'm working with. It's also like 6am right now. I've been up since half two, three. It's been one of those nights. (laughs) <laughs> we got a bit deep there we got a bit heavy I don't really have a segue to bring us back to well tune in next week folks and we'll have blah 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 etc etc what I do know what I'm taking away from this let's, let's try and go with that what I'm taking away from this is that I will put more emphasis on what I can do today and building upon it Instead of putting all of the emphasis on living in my head and thinking, yep, that will be cool to do tomorrow. Even if you come up short today, even if you're not as successful as you'd like to be today, better to take a small faltering step today than to not take any steps and keep intending to take 10, 20, 50, 1000 steps tomorrow. Because there will always be tomorrow. As for the music side of things, again, if there's anyone here who's new to this from the videos online, thank you very much for joining me. I'm gonna, I'm going to build upon what I've done. So I did that one trailer of a demo, 
I'm going to, and that was of me playing in my room. I'll do more videos like that of me playing in my room. And then I will have the demos be a soundtrack as I just show a montage of videos. I'm thinking of like, I have this thing of just London at night, particularly the district line, the tube at night. I don't know if I've shared this idea on here before as well, but I'll just put it out there. Maybe I have. That's the thing about having a daily podcast and not really listening back to it or keeping notes. Sometimes things get repeated, but hopefully it's not too much. Anyway, you know what? No, I'll do it another time because this episode's been long enough as it is. Oh, no, this is what happens when you've been up since half two and it's now 6am. Let's go with it. So I get the district line into work. And if I'm running late and I just about managed to catch the train, I get on at the very, the, the carriage at the right at the back. I get on at the last carriage. And the station, when I get off, I want to get off at the front. So I have to walk the entire length of the train. And this train is just one long carriage. And I've always had the thought that in some way it resembles a catwalk. And I feel like it could be used in that regard. Imagine if someone designed a catwalk, like an endless London tube train. <clears throat> oh, by the way, remember that band I mentioned, Scarlet Foxes? I think this is the third episode in the room I'm talking about them. Their most popular video is them lip-syncing to the song Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. First of all, I didn't know Tears for Fears were on TikTok, but they've only gone and reposted that video on their own page. So now Tears for Fears have posted the video of the two folks from Scarlet Foxes lip-syncing and kind of prancing about in the woods to their song, which is really cool. A bit of a full circle moment. But those videos that Scarlet Fox has made have really inspired me in how you can create a preview for what you make that's actually interesting. Granted, they did it with other people's music, but they've already given you such a clear vision of what they're going for without playing any music. I think the the cliche of just playing, just playing in your room, just having a video that starts with you playing your song and sing along and the lyrics are on the screen, that doesn't work as much anymore. That might have worked in 2019, 2020, early lockdown stage. Now you need something more. Yesterday's video shows me that maybe I'm on the right track, but the difference would be if I can keep delivering in that vein. So I'm going to start with videos of me playing in my room then I'll have videos where the demo is the soundtrack and I'll show a montage of videos that try and paint the picture of the soundscape, the vision where this is coming from. And these things, there needs to be an evolution as well. It can't just be three months later still making the same type of video of you playing in your room. At least for me anyway, because I frame this as if I can stop procrastinating and enough people like it, I'll put this out in time for 2023 to be a year we won't forget. I need to make good on that promise. And it's a promise I've been... That's been the there's always tomorrow for so long. But to have a bit of an audience now paying attention, saying, oh yeah, this sounds cool. Block Party seems to be the real linchpin. That was the one that made people really go, oh yeah, I get the Block Party vibes. Which, is, which means a lot. But to have people essentially knock on your door and say, yes, we're interested in what you're doing. Even if it's just in the faintest way of liking and commenting. It's a step in the right direction and I just need to keep going and making those small steps each day. Rules be damned. Maybe I need an even more obscure and indescribable band name.
But that's all for me now. It's now just after six o'clock and I've got things to do. But thank you again for listening. And <laughs> I've been made, it's been brought to my attention that I may be something of a heathen for listening to podcasts at double the speed. Why else would they put the option there, okay? You can go up to three times the speed on Spotify. That would be insane. I don't know if audiobooks are available on Spotify, but I can imagine if you're just trying to get through a book, playing it on three times the speed. Because I think if there's an audiobook, they'd read, it much, they'd read it much slower deliberately to paint the image of what they're reading. And if you're just trying to say you've read the book or listened to the book, you'd hit that three times speed just to get through it. So I'm only on two times, sometimes 1.5 speed, okay? I'm not, I'm not that, maybe I am, maybe I am the heathen. I'll take it, I'll own it. But thank you for listening. This has been Saddest Night Out. You can find me online, search for the word Saddest Night Out, all as one word. Feel free to send me a message on your platform of choice. And I'll catch you on the next episode, which with any luck will be tomorrow. Until then, take care.